Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people, every day. Josh Nichols is a therapist who has made it his mission to improve your recovery by helping you to customize it exactly for you. So, Josh, welcome to the call. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yes. Now, you know, I know a lot of my listeners feel like their recovery plan is stale, and they they want to address their own recovery. Most of them are in relationships, so they want to address their coupleship. And you are actually available to help them to strengthen what you call the five pillars of recovery. So first and foremost, tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to talk to you about those five pillars. Okay. Well, um, I, first of all, I'm a licensed marital family therapist and a certified sex addiction therapist in northwest Oklahoma City, right in the middle of the country. So um, I have a, a multi-group therapy practice where I actually have a team of uh, sex addiction therapists in it. And we kind of, it kind of just happened organically. I just I got interested in working with this population, and then I realized what type of crises that they're often in, and it takes more than it, it had to take more than just me to help. And so I basically recruited some of my friends and colleagues to help, and who ultimately went and became certified in this, and we developed a model, and it just kind of has has grown from there, where we where we do a lot of different things now, including um, in addition to uh, individual and couples therapy, we do. Uh, into couples intensives, group therapy, um, workshops, and kind of the staple to our program now is what we're calling this recovery planning, where we are helping individuals and couples put together these intense plans for recovery so that they can stay on track and experience more success in their recovery than a lot of people are. So I have a couple of questions because you said you and your colleagues decided to get more training or certification. So what did you end up getting? What what qualifies you to help addicts and their loved ones to in, intensify their recovery program? Okay, well, uh, we all had very good training um, with our licensures to begin with, the marriage and family therapy licensure. But even in, in that training, there was a missing element there and when it comes to working with people dealing with sexual compulsive behaviors, sexual addiction, and then, of course, how that impacts the couple relationship. And so uh, the training I'm speaking of is, the, uh, is a training that's offered by ITAP, uh, where um, we became a certified sex addiction therapist, where we we studied went this really intense certification process. I actually call it a, a little miniature graduate degree, uh, yeah, where we spent four weeks and lots of hours of supervision doing uh, learning about how uh, to treat people that are dealing with that specific 
issue. And so all well, of us know, have I, that training. It's interesting, Josh, because I know I'm exaggerating a bit, but I always say it's like 10,000 hours and $10,000 later, we are experts in the field of treating sexual addiction and partner betrayal. Right. Yeah, and we're not even touching the hem of the garment, I feel like, half the time. too. There's so much more to learn, so much more to do in our field. Oh, I agree 100%. So you and your colleagues, got trained by ITAP. I'm trained by ITAP, so I can really appreciate the work that you've done. And, you know, you are a former board member for the Oklahoma Association for Marriage and Family Therapists, so you have a soft part of you that wants to help the coupleship and help partners in particular. Yes. Um, you know, that was where it all began, you know. I mean, the, the uh, wanting to the desire to uh, help couples strengthen their relationship and um, have better marriages and better families, um, for and to and to pass that along from generation to generation, um, and you know the the epidemic of the, the sexual compulsive behavior and sex addiction um, kind of I feel like kind of hit our culture. It seemed all of a sudden, I know it was kind of a gradual process, but it seemed like there was this, with the age of the Internet, it kind of slammed against us that all of a sudden all these families just coming out of the woodworks with so many um, struggles and troubles that were related to this issue. So it, it seemed like it was the the right thing or the good thing to do at the time. Well, that's a very good Point. And so you believe that it's important for recovering sex addicts and certainly their partners to have intensity in their recovery program in order to be successful in the world of sex addiction recovery. So share a little bit about this five step, well, it's five pillars of recovery, right? Yes, yes, that's what we call it. <clears throat> and it's probably good to. Let me give you kind of where my mind was when we created this because it seemed like there was a gap in this treatment because we had our traditional week-to-week therapy was available. <clears throat> and, then there's, and then there's like your 30- to 90-day treatment facilities, and there's like this really big gap in between. And, uh, of course, we've, in, over time we've seen a lot of uh, these intensives pop up um, but usually they're like anywhere from three days to 14 days. And and so it seemed like there there was just something missing in the middle because uh, uh, a lot of people that are going through this, they need more than that week-to-week traditional therapy model. But they, some of them don't necessarily need the residential care. And so I call, it, I call them the in-betweeners. We needed something in-between. And um, my business partners and colleagues, we put our heads together and uh, we talked about doing these recovery plans, uh, kind of addressing this missing element. And we came up with these five pillars of success. And these are the five things that we tried to incorporate in all of their plans. And the first one is, I'll just run through them real quickly, um, is psychoeducation, individual and couples therapy. So we're still going to keep that as part of our model group therapy, which is different from support groups, accountability, and then support and self-care. And, of course, 
this is where the support groups, like uh, your traditional 12-step groups, AA, SAA, and uh, the Christian-based groups like Celebrate Recovery, this is where those come into play as, as part of that support system. And so as part of their recovery plan, we work to help them to put together these five pieces. And it comes, I mean, it gets real intense. They get a little overwhelmed when we do the recovery planning session with them and we go over it. And, uh, and I tell them that we want you to be a little overwhelmed. We don't want you to be so overwhelmed you never come back. But we do want it to create a little bit of angst in them so that that maybe that little fire will ignite something bigger. Well, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And so the five pillars are kind of a formula that doesn't ensure success, but it definitely increases the fact that you're going to work a full recovery program. Yes. Um, we were seeing, and I don't know how this is with your experience, but we were seeing couples, uh, individuals and couples, drop out very early in this work when we didn't have this recovery plan. And so I think once they saw that they needed something much more intense and then there was ambiguity as far as what we were going to be able to help them with, they dropped out. And so once we started incorporating these plans that offered a structure to their recovery that had all these elements built in, and then, of course, we would tell them, you know, this is putting one fire in the, I mean, one iron in the fire at a time, and we'll help them do that along the way. So the plan that we create, we don't expect them to have that incorporated tomorrow. We will spend the next six months actually helping them put one iron in the fire at a time. And then at the end of that six months, we do another recovery plan. So we do basically the recovery plans on six-month increments. Okay, so now let's kind of break down these five and and discuss them at a little bit more length. Your psychoeducation piece, I mean, you give them access to really valuable and quality information that can be extremely empowering. Give me an example of some of that information. Well, some of the best information I think that's out there is information that's being put out by ITAP and some of the publications they are doing. Um, And so in the beginning, that's almost all that we had uh, because, you know, the things that you found on the Internet were very unreliable and could even be harmful based upon, you know, who was writing those things. And so in terms of written material uh, and published material, you know, all the works of Patrick Carnes and a lot of his protégés um, have been just extremely valuable uh, literature for our clients. But now, in the age, uh, as we're seeing the, in this age of the Internet, seeing podcasts and uh, YouTube and so many more things coming about, and there are people like you and others that are doing this, um, these are now becoming uh, available to us to to refer our clients to them. In fact, I know I just contacted you recently about uh, seeing if you could coach one of my clients. It's going to be um, uh, very far away from me. Um, and so I know that, that those types of resources now are things that we're plugging people 
into as well, including online courses is another one. And so there's a lot of uh, valuable things. And the, the key, though, uh, Carol, is that a lot of these things are out there, and a lot of people are, that are needing treatment or even in treatment don't even know it. And even kind of the scarier element is that the therapists aren't even aware of it. Oh, yeah, I absolutely get that. For instance, obviously you did contact me because I'm a mental health therapist, but I'm also a coach. And where a lot of mental health therapists are not supposed to cross state lines via Zoom or, well, Zoom is HIPAA compliant, so that's what I use. Uh, if I'm a coach, I can do consultation and get people started and help them in their recovery and help them with their recovery work and give them relationship skills, and that's under the guise of coaching. So I get to wear both hats, which makes me very flexible because, Josh, if you did that too, you'd be able to, you'd be able right. to accommodate your clients. Now, that's the difference. That's some psychoeducation about what is mental health and what is coaching? And, it, you know, coaches are great in and of themselves, but when you have a coach who also is a mental health therapist, you see it from the entire realm of perspective. Right, now, right. one of the things you and I have learned through Patrick Carnes and ITAP and the teachings, the four modules that we had to go through, is that sex addiction is a brain disorder. It is a... We have to be skilled in brain science. And for a lot of our clients, it's going to take a minimum of three to five years to fully recircuitize their circuitry so that they can substitute their addiction for healthy behaviors. Would you not agree? Oh, I completely agree. Um, that can be a little scary sometimes when uh, clients hear or read that somewhere, you know, the, the two or three to five year period. But one thing I tell them is it's not it's not uh, three to five years of, of crises like they are when they first come in. In fact, as I'm sure from your experience too, we, they, in this process they start to really embrace their recovery. And it becomes very important to them almost like going to the gym. You know, and so people that can relate to that, relate to doing anything healthy in their life that they've uh, that they have found value in, and they do it regularly. That's how a lot of the clients that really embrace their recovery respond to this. Because one thing that I say is that it feels good to feel good. You know, and yeah. and so when they find that in these recovery programs, they want to stay with it. And I've had many clients that have gone that duration, and some of them might, you know, there's not really a foreseeable end because they're still attending the advanced group that I do that's just, just a regular ongoing group because that's where all their buddies are that kind of help support them through all this, and they found a lot of value in that. Well, it's so interesting that you said that because obviously your first pillar, again, is psychoeducation where you uh, teach them the access to valuable and quality information that will be empowering. And then you talk about individual and couple therapy as being the second pillar. But the third pillar is group recovery. And I know that when I was in a line in the cafeteria with Patrick Carnes, I said to him, Patrick, is there anything that you would say that you would advise me to do that will catapult the success of my clients and make me an immediately better therapist. And he said, Carol, 
I absolutely know the answer to that, and that is group therapy. And I said, really? I had run over 2,000 groups for women and had never run a sexual addictions group for men. And he said, oh, undeniably, 12-step programs are so important, but group therapy is that place for them to come to talk with each other, share information, cross-talk, hold each other accountable, and really make it their safe place for fellowship success. And the minute I did that, I actually wrote a sexual recovery manual for therapists. And it has been by far the most valuable, valuable tool that I can give a sex addict individually, but in a group. Right. Yes. You know, one thing that I say about group therapy is that's where the magic happens. And it's really hard to explain that magic. I wish I had words to put to it, but there is something that happens in that experience that really uh, goes beyond what can happen in the therapy room when it's just you and your therapist. And I think some of it is when the addict walks in that room, they see themselves, and maybe for the first time, they start to show compassion for themselves because when they look at those other guys or other girls in that group, uh, they see regular people and people that are just trying to live good lives that have got caught up in something that has been destructive. And I tell you what, I think some of the, I have met some of the most wonderful human beings in this work than I have in any other aspect of my life. Um, I 100% agree. So go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just, I was just saying that, you know, uh, when they walk in there and they see other wonderful human beings, maybe for the first time in their life, they start to kind of, I think in the beginning, unbeknownst to them, start to have compassion for themselves because they realize that these people are like me. And it really challenges that notion, that, that ideal that they are messed up or, or defective in some way, shape, or form. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I was just talking with um, a client about is that you're exactly right. When people do group work, they do the work, whether they're actually contributing to it or they're watching it. So everybody in the group is getting some benefit from your work as a sex addict. So that's always wonderful. The second thing we know is when somebody does group work in the group session, they're much more likely to take it out and practice it with their mate, with their boss, with their sibling. You know, what happens in group can also happen out there and, and vice versa. When, when, when somebody is lying to their partner or lying to their brother or lying to another group member out there, they'll also come into group and not be 100% honest because they can't face that honesty. So group is a great way to provide a safe place to encourage people to be authentic, transparent, and honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know, um, when you talked about uh, your meeting with uh, Dr. Carnes, uh, it 
it triggered a thought that I had that I, I really have a hard time believing in the success of recovery without group therapy. So when I have clients that really resist it, um, you know, I don't make them do anything, but I kind of I, I get real honest with them, and I'll tell them that, that, you know, without doing some form of group therapy involved in this, you know, I just have a hard time believing that you're going to find the success in your recovery that that you deserve, you know. And and um, and a lot of them will uh, sometimes even begrudgingly go ahead and do it and, and find out that I was right. Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you one other thing that I've been having a, day, a debate with in terms of I have a gay couple, and he, um, the addict, has not been honest. As a matter of fact, he professed having over a year recovery and went to a polygraph, and it showed that, you know, he had probably not had over 90 days. Well, his partner was furious because when he went to group and he shared that, although this was 12-step work, the group, Really, um, they were very compassionate, and they said, "Just get back on the on the horse. You can do it." The partner basically said, "I want him in a group therapy where people are going to hold him accountable and hold his feet to the fire, and let him choose what he wants to do." But I'm tired of people coddling this guy. He needs to be held accountable. Yeah. Well, you and I both know that in group therapy, it is that wonderful balance. You can't do it in, as much in 12-step work, but as somebody holding you accountable and also containing that compassion that one needs to be real and to get real. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes um, I think that uh, the other um, members of the group can kind of get away with things that I can't, you know, and they'll... Um, I kind of see my job as, you know, the facilitator. And so, you know, I facilitate the discussions, help process. And when someone, I tell them in the beginning, you know, we can have crosstalk here, you know, because a lot of the 12-step support groups don't allow that. So I allow crosstalk. And if you say something stupid, I'll I'll let you know, and I will. You know, but a lot of times, you know, when, uh, when someone else is headed down a bad path, some of them will get, uh, you know, will get on them pretty good, you know, to let them know that, uh, you know, you, you need to really think about what you're doing, and and but also it's there's some kind of love that is just kind of, that comes out during that, like, you know, we got your back, and so uh, by me kind me coming is showing this kind of tough love to you is a way that I'm telling you I got your back. And that's one thing that um, I think they benefit from that group, too, is that this also could be the one place where they know there's a group of people that have their back no matter what. Yeah, 100%. Now, one of the pillars, obviously, was psychoeducation. Another was group therapy. And then you said another pillar is individual and couples therapy. So tell us a little bit about how you work with couples because, truly, when you and I were both trained in sexual addiction, there was um, an emphasis on how to help the family, how to help the partner, how to help the coupleship, but 
that has really shifted in the last five years. We, are, we now know it's a systems approach, and you won't help the addict unless you help him in his own family constellation. Right. And so, yes, and as a marriage and family therapist, which is where, where my uh, licensure is, um, I am systems trained and uh, under the systems theory, for those listeners who might not know what that is, just an approach where we take the entire system into consideration to help the individual. So uh, now this kind of actually challenged my, uh, my love for systems theory, not that I stopped loving it, but as a couples counselor, you know, we wanted to get the couple in and just start right then and there in the beginning going headstrong doing couples therapy. And what we found out is sometimes – a lot of times, actually, in the beginning, we will do a lot of individual therapy first because there's so much toxicity in the relationship because of the trauma and the wounds that they're just not equipped to do the couple's work in the beginning. We still will bring them in and do the interview and and continue to do couples uh, sessions. And we do those as co-therapy sessions, so we'll have two therapists and, and with the couple and this is where having a really skilled therapist comes into play because it gets a little tricky here as far as when to do the couples therapy. And because the way I see it is that think of the discovery of the sex addiction or the infidelity or compulsive behavior. The discovery is when the crap hits the fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to do the couple's work, mm-hmm. someone turns the fan on. And now you got crap just flying everywhere. And so when they start having to work on their couple relationship, it's almost like they just walked into therapy for the first time. And they get really anxious about it and feeling very vulnerable and very raw in that. And, um, but we, when we show them the recovery plan, it can help buffer that a little bit because usually in that six, the first six months, and usually early on, uh, we're going to start doing some couples work, and we have some very specific things that we do in the beginning before we dive into some of the deeper issues. But we kind of have to just gauge that on a case-by-case basis to kind of see what's going on for that couple and what they're ready to do. So a a skilled couples therapist that is trained in the sex addiction recovery and sexual health planning and things like that, um, I think is is really important to do that part of the work. Well, I agree. It's a delicate balance. Also, APSAT's trained, which means I'm a partner-sensitive trauma specialist Mm-hmm. And what we know is that when a partner discovers the addiction, it's very easy for the partner to go into a situational anxiety, generalized anxiety, or actually post-traumatic stress. And so we want to be able to manage her. We want to be able to see if there's some sort of safety and stabilization we can do for the coupleship as well as we want to help him to manage the situation because it's hard enough for him to manage his sexual addiction, but now he has a spouse that is so traumatized, he's not sure what to do. He doesn't know how to help. 
And so I agree, it is a very delicate balance, and you have to have skilled therapists that know what they're doing. And you are a licensed marriage and family therapist. Tell our listening audience how they can get a hold of you. Well, the, if they want to go to my website, they can just go to www.familysolutions, with an S, okay.com. And they can, are more than welcome to email me at josh at familysolutionsok.com. And uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions regarding this information. Um, if they want to kind of experience me uh, live or to see my face and, and hear me talk, uh, they, uh, we have a YouTube channel called Recovery TV. And they can also follow us on Facebook, which is just at Family Solutions OK. And we'll be having, uh, starting a uh, Facebook live show in August where we will address recovery topics. So we're really excited okay. about that. Well, I bet. And, you know, obviously Josh and I were talking about um, on the list, sir, of how to work with families. Josh was going to refer me somebody. And at the same time, I knew about his YouTube because I, too, have Sex Health with Carol the Coach on YouTube. And you and I both know that any more people Google sex addiction or couples partner recovery or um, just recovery, and that kind of stuff comes up. And it is absolutely captivating to get lesson skills and to get feelings for who you might be working with. So one more time, give them your YouTube channel. YouTube channel is if you just do youtube.com backslash C backslash recovery TV, the number four, and then the letter U. And that will take you right to our page. And they can also access that through your website, and your website is? FamilySolutionsOK.com. That OK stands for Oklahoma because you are located in the northwest Oklahoma City. And um, I know that you have really made it your mission to help educate and, and really catapult their success by providing them services and recovery skills that, that go beyond just the 12-step model. I'm not putting that down at all. But, you know, Patrick Carnes told me a long time ago, Carol, the only way these guys will get healthy in the masses is if they have an entire committee. And that committee consists of a certified sexual addiction therapist, a sexual addiction group, a 12-step group, a great sponsor, fellowship, doing the 12-step work, whether that's SAA or SA. And then for the coupleship, it may mean that they have to do GPS, polygraphs, open pass codes, whatever it is that helps that um, partner feel safe. Now, when you work with couples, what do you do specifically? Well, one of the first things that we encourage them to do is what we call the therapeutic disclosure, which I know you're very familiar with, where mm-hmm. uh, we will uh, basically, it's basically an effort to get uh, the secrets out and start and to, to leave the relationship that's built 
are, are riddled with deception and uh, secrecy and to uh, start a new relationship that's built on trust, honesty, transparency, and integrity. And so it's kind of ritualistic in a way. Um, and so even couples who are, or the spouses that know everything already, um, we still have them do the disclosure session because they haven't heard the acting out partner tell their story in this format where there's like a beginning, a middle, and an end to it. And it's in a way, it's, uh, it's like saying goodbye to the way we were living and to that couple that, that functioned that way and welcoming in a new version of themselves, a new couple relationship. And so that's one of the very first things we do. And then we'll urge them to, uh, to go headstrong into couples therapy so that secrecy doesn't get a foothold on them. And the, one of the first things we do with that is we create what we call a plan for peace of mind. And that's kind of what you were talking about when you were saying, you know, maybe they got to exchange passwords or they need to have some kind of transparency with their technology. It's because the spouse or the partner that has been wounded through this behavior, through the other person's behavior, um, they have so much anxiety and that they can't control we don't want them to be stewing in it. And the acting out uh, spouse or partner can really serve an important role there by create by as we create this plan for transparency. And it's an effort to for the wounded spouse to witness honesty and integrity taking place. It's not to try to keep them hold them under their thumb or to keep them under a microscope or anything like that. Well, you got it. That is exactly right. And while it builds what APTAX would say is safety and stabilization, it also allows, after that first stage, it allows the spouse to grieve what she thought she had and what she wanted so that stage three, and, you know, you're talking five pillars, I'm talking three stages, will be that she either restores her sense of self without the addict or hopefully restores a new coupleship that will be better than what she ever had before. Right, exactly. And, you know, I often frame it in the sense of it, it, that it's um, when they hear us say like a new version of yourself or things like that, it's, some people can be put off by that sometimes, thinking that we're trying to change who they are. And um, I've started – talking about in the sense of we're actually trying to help them develop a more complete and honest version of themselves. So they've been holding back. They haven't been sharing their their true whole version of themselves with their spouses and partner. They have been only sharing part of themselves, and we want to bring all of them into the picture and let them experience a relationship where they're, where they're both completely present. So now... Yeah, Josh, tell me about this accountability pillar. I know you've already kind of referenced it when you said maybe they'll have to use accountability tools to to hold themselves accountable as well as restore faith in the coupleship. But what else do you think of when you think of accountability? Right. So 
one of the areas we really have to consider with this in this day and age is accountability with tech because I, I think in the years that I've been doing this, I have only had one client that did not use any form of tech whatsoever to act out. Um, nowadays, everybody's using tech, and um, you know, in my personal opinion, um, I even think with children and with grown-ups, I think that if we, if our technology is completely private and there's no accountability, it's like it's like carrying around a hand grenade, you know. And so, uh, one way to keep ourselves safe with these devices is to have accountability, and so. Uh, there are certain programs that I have them look up, like accountability software, like X3 Watch or Covenant Eyes, um, to that monitors their devices on and where they're go where they are going on the internet, and then we'll send accountability reports to an accountability partner. Which, by the way, I I discourage the spouse or partner from being the accountability partner on those uh, on that software. Mhm. And that is well, because um I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to ask you so that's because Yeah, that is because the accountability partner needs to be someone who is not devastated or deeply offended if the addict has uh, a slip or a relapse. Yeah, so if they they look on the accountability report and they see if they are have gone somewhere they shouldn't have, the accountability partner will spur into action and say, hey, you know, let's talk about this. Uh, looks like you're you're having some trouble. What do we need to do to get you back on the path of recovery? But if the spouse gets that report or the partner gets that report, it's just one more cut in their life of death by a thousand cuts. And um, we don't want to have that happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want to prevent. That's why staggered disclosures are so tough. And that's why, really, we're encouraging the addict to be authentic, transparent, and honest. And we're encouraging those things that will help make that occur and build safety in the style. So I love that. Now, right. last but not least, I want you to talk about that this pillar, which is support and self-care. You're singing my song here when it comes to self-care for both the coupleship, the partner, and, of course, the addict. So talk a little sure. bit more about that. Yeah, this seems – it sounds really simple and uh, logical, right? I mean, uh, but it seems to be one of the hardest pieces in the five pillars. Uh, um, the partners of – of addicts are uh, selfless to a fault. You know, they do a terrible job of taking care of themselves, a wonderful job of taking care of everybody else. In a, and I'm speaking generally here. And so, um, you know, trying to get them to to take the focus uh, off of whatever they're focused on and put on themselves is really difficult, especially in the midst of a crisis, right? Because you you get a sense of control when you're focused on the danger, right? Right. So they don't want to take their eye off the danger, which in that in the midst of a crisis, it's going to be the the addict or the acting out uh, partner. And so we really got to help them. We don't want them to fall through the cracks. And I think that's happened uh, in years past where 
the, we, we help the addict, but the partner falls through the cracks. And so, um, but there, it's it's often very difficult getting them to do um, to start focusing on themselves. The addict um, kind of does this internal thing where um, they absorb pain, is what I think. They absorb trauma, so they don't want to introduce chaos into the system by focusing on their feelings and the things that bother them. So they just they absorb the the chaotic energy from everything else and then themselves and they filter it out through their addiction. And so, you know, we're also working with them to help to get th- them involved in things where um they are taking care of their their own self and their own being and it's an act of love for themselves, which they're not real good at doing because they're so entrenched with shame they don't feel like they're worthy of love. Yeah, you got it exactly. I can tell you know your stuff. See that you really are a couples therapist as well as a great certified sexual addiction therapist. So as we begin to end for tonight, is there anything else you would tell our listening audience so that they can be motivated to take the next step? The thing that I would encourage people to do who are entertaining this idea of recovery is start doing more things like they're probably doing now, which is right now they're listening to your blog. Go listen to other blogs. Go uh, to uh, look at um, books that have been well-reviewed and uh, like Patrick Carnes' Out of the Shadows book, Stephanie Carnes' um, uh, Not Facing Heartbreak. What book am I thinking of? I'm ending the Shattered Heart. Mending the Shattered Heart by Stephanie Carnes and so many other great resources out there too. When you go on Amazon, one thing that's great about Amazon, if you look at what you know, if you look up out of the shadows, it'll say people who bought this book also bought these books, you know. And from what I can tell, they're books that I would probably buy as well. Um, so I think that's a really good place to start and start with the psychoeducation piece and start consuming that information. And then the harder element is, is taking that step and seeking out a professional. And is, uh, one thing that I say is, is that you only have to be brave five seconds at a time. So that five seconds it takes to just call a therapist and ask questions. Make that be your first step of courage. Just call and ask questions. You don't even have to make an appointment. You know, and just take one – Find those, uh, find those points in time where you can take those five seconds of courage. That is so inspiring. Josh Nichols, you have been a delight to have on the show, and I hope everyone will go to your YouTube and hear your, um, your words of wisdom. You know what you're talking about. You're making it easy for our audience. And last but not least, remind them one more time, they go to the YouTube channel, and then they get you by going to backslash, I'm sorry, backslash C, backslash recovery, TV, the number four, and then the letter U. Well, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking with you again and, and uh working with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You make it a great day. You too. Take care. So, 
obviously Josh knows what he's talking about. He has made it his mission to make life good. And you are listening to Carol, the coach, and this is Sex Help with Carol, the coach, and I cannot emphasize how much I appreciate you listening and, you know, you're following my guests and you're going to their website and you're getting their free materials and Josh has a great YouTube channel. So I want you to give him a chance as well as my own, Sex Help with Carol Coach, same as the name of the show. And if you're a partner, we just started a radio show called Trail Recovery Radio through Blog Talk, and you can get me on iTunes. So come on, you can't get enough information. I hope you don't mind getting enough Carol the Coach. And uh, if you have a story to tell or a success, I'm all about getting you on the air and hearing about you anonymously, of course. So as I say at the end of every show, you'll only be one of you at all times. I fearlessly want you to be yourself And I'm going to tell you, I want you to think about going ahead and talking with Coach Jim and just taking four of his sessions. Um, They're all free. So catapult your recovery. And they'll be part of your committee. We need an entire committee. So let's make that happen. And heck, I often give his number off for people who say, I can't afford therapy. You know, I'm $150 an hour. And so to get somebody like Jim for 25 is a steal deal. All right. We'll see you uh, next time. Have a great week. And you know that you have the capability to make your life happen, but it's one step at a time, and it requires a well-thought-out plan. You're listening to Carol Jurgensen. She's a.k.a. Carol's coach with sex help with Carol the Coach.